here we are now with another episode of the Andrew Lake Podcast. My name is Dosta, and today I'd like to talk about Ayurveda. In the spirit of finding systems or belief theories or maps or perspectives or whatever we want to call them of understanding the world and what life is, I came across Ayurveda sort of by chance and I really took quite an interest in it because it's holistic. It's one of the approaches to reality which covers so much. Now there is a difference between holistic approaches and narrow approaches or closed approaches and they both have their place, they both have their use. And really I came across Ayurveda sort of by chance in my travels because I was studying meditation mostly at the Osho International Meditation Resort and talking to many people about meditation and life and holistic approaches to things. And one of the persons I met there was an Ayurveda doctor. And her name is Dr. Shanti Hansa. And I will link to her contact or her social media page in this episode so that you can contact her because today everything that I'm offering to you, everything that I'm sharing was taught to me by her. And she's a qualified Ayurveda doctor. So if we can take my words as a layman's understanding of Ayurveda or a sort of generic introduction to what Ayurveda is. And in a nutshell, it's medicine. It's an ancient form of Eastern medicine. And it's holistic in that it goes into so many different things. It works with elements. It works with fundamentals. It works with principles that can be applied to many things. Now the argument goes, or one of the arguments, is that if you go to a Western doctor, which has modern science, they're mostly concerned with symptoms and working with fixing symptoms, whereas Ayurveda is concerned more with the root cause or the epistemic problem. Now, of course, that's a very broad statement, and we don't want to write off all Western medicine just because of this one hypothesis or this one observation about their approach. There are good things in Western medicine, of course, but for the people who find that the Western doctor has been a bit more shallow or a bit more, oh, here are your symptoms, so here is the pill that will stop that symptom, or here is the drug, or here is the prescription that will relieve you of your symptoms, but 
cause some other problem or some other side effect or some other condition, then for those people, they're, they're turning a lot to Ayurveda. And it is a growing branch of medicine. It is becoming very popular. It's growing more and more every year. And in this modern age, we need something that is holistic. We need something that draws on the wisdom of tradition, of spirituality, of sensitivity between people, as well as modern science, as well as chemistry. And Ayurveda does that. Ayurveda is is the answer. So where to begin with the principles of Ayurveda? It seems like there's a lot. Basically, as I understand it, when you go to a Ayurveda doctor, there's three things they will do. One is they will look at you and they will observe you. Another is they will ask you things. They'll talk to you. And then the third large principle is that they will touch you. Now, to an extent, Western doctors also do this. But also, the Western doctor is very much more weighted on the asking. It's more about what the patient describes with their words. Whereas an Ayurveda doctor also does that, but they have a wider range of things to ask about. But they also have these other two elements of looking and touching. And within looking and touching, there's the sensitivity of the doctor. It's not just looking at you by saying, what are the visible symptoms of this patient? But they look at you with something more, something of that that essence. It's that thing that is really beyond just physical appearance. It's looking into your soul, if we can get a bit fairy and fluffy. And then the same with the touching. It's not like Western doctors where they touch you to check your pulse, or they test your heartbeat, or they take your blood pressure. But there's something else. There's the, there's the how they respond. There's the, the essence. There's the temperature of the feeling. How does it feel to be in your temperature? So there's a difference there between the Western doctor and the Ayurveda doctor. And there are spooky stories about very sensitive Ayurveda doctors who with their personal perceptions, can tell quite a lot. And it can be very a bit of an eerie encounter when your doctor tells you certain things about you, which are very personal, when they've only just been in your presence for only a few minutes. There are many stories throughout India and in the countries that practice Ayurveda of these Ayurveda doctors doing that. So that's, that's the three things that a doctor has, is this observing, this asking, and this touching. 
And then broadly speaking, in Ayurveda, we have these fundamental elements. And these elements are in everything. And the trick or the approach of Ayurveda is to balance the elements. If something's out of balance, well, you know what that's like. So often we talk about balance in life. We want to have balance. We want things to be optimized. We want things to be working as they should in all aspects of our life. And so this approach of balancing the elements is the trick of Ayurveda. It's the philosophy of Ayurveda. And these elements, they're also very good at, at as an as a existential philosophy of understanding your place in the cosmos. Because they're so broad and they're so large. They fit, they fit evenly into this question of how do we divide reality into just a few parts that are equal parts and that we can easily remember and we can quickly see how each smaller part, which is the the billions and billions of the smaller parts of reality, fit into these four or five categories. Now, when it comes to psychology, we can have psychological developmental stages, which might be four or five different levels of reality or if it's integral theory we might have our four quadrants which is the individual the collective the subjective and the objective but here in Ayurveda they have a different map a different model of elements and it's only going to help our understanding more if we start to use it it's it's our it's our bag of tricks it's another tool in our bag of tricks it's another thing that helps us tackle this one big giant thing which is reality and how do we break it down into understandable <laughs> pieces so the five elements go like this Earth, water, fire, wind, and ether. And one of the examples that Hansa Shanti, Dr. Hansa Shanti, gave to me was that of the apple. Now, if you look at the apple, the apple has all five elements. It has earth, which is the solid nature of it. It's the hardness of it. It's got water, which is the juice of it. And it's got the taste, which is the fire, or how it metabolizes, how it digests. And also the color has a fire to it. It's the biology. And then it's got the wind, which is the space, how light it is, how heavy it is, how dense it is. And then you've got the ether, 
which is the sort of the spiritual side of the apple. So everything fits into the five elements, but there's a different balance of the elements within each thing. So it might be that an apple is more water than it is solid, or fire, or wind, or ether. And you can apply this to other things as well, such as the place you're living. You can put this matrix or this, these elements into, well, what's it like where you live? Is it grounded? Is the floor very solid? Are the walls dense? This is the sort of earth element. And is there any moisture in the air? Is there any mold? Is there any leaking water? That's the water element. And what temperature is your house? What temperature is your room? Is it warm? Is it cool? Does it heat up very well or not very well? Is it easy to heat or not? That's the fire element. So the fire element is, is also hot and cold in some cases. And then there's the wind element, which is the, which, well, that can be the air pressure. How much fresh air do you get in your room? Some architecture doesn't even allow for windows to be open. It might be that you have air conditioning. So your wind element is very unstable. You might have to have very cold air conditioning or it's very hot air, depending on where you live. If you live in India, it's probably very hot. And if you're using your air conditioning a lot when it's hot, it might be very cold. So if you go to your Ayurveda doctor, they'll ask you certain things and look at you and touch you and be sensitive to you to work out how your balance is. And they might ask you about your room and they might say, well, what sort of temperature is your room or what sort of air is in your room? And that will tell them something about your air as a person and your fire as a person and your earth as a person. And really, when it comes to the person... We collapse those more or less down into only three elements. Because the earth and the water, they're, they're closely related because they're more solid. So the, the elements of earth and water, water we call kapha, kapha, K-A-P-H-A. I hope I've pronounced that right. And then between the water and the fire is the pitta, and that's more fire, that's more to do with digestion and assimilation. And wind and ether, they're very similar, so the spirit and the wind are always closely related in most religious traditions anyway, and that's called the bata. So we have bata, pitta, and kappa, which is basically water, fire, and wind, and water includes the earth, roughly speaking. 
So these these categories or these elements, they, they start to blur and they become complexified when you dig into the different definitions and the different things that we're plugging into it. So if we're plugging environment into it, it's different to if we're plugging food into it and we're plugging a person into it. So if you go to your Ayurveda doctor and they work out, well, you've got a lot of fire, what sort of food are you eating? And you say, well, I eat hot chilies for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's like, well, okay, and where do you work? And you say, well, I work in a I work in a kitchen where there's hot stoves all the time and I'm wearing these big clothes that make me hot and sweat all the time. And say, well, what do you do on your day off? And they say, well, I go to the beach and sit in the sun or I go for a run. And you say, well, you've got a lot of fire. You've got a lot of heat. So you can balance that out. And you can see that the an Ayurveda doctor would be able to see that the immune system of a person like person like that and the well-being the emotional well-being of a person like that would not be very balanced and that would lead to symptoms that could lead to certain sicknesses certain diseases certain problems and those problems might not just be the certain the, the kinds of things that you would go to a normal doctor for it might be a muscular problem it might be a, it might be a fatigue problem and that's the that's the plus of having this these broad elements. It's because it covers so many things. And just the same, you might need more earthing. You might need more grounding. If someone's very airy, well, think think of it sort of metaphorically as well. This is another way you can do it. Can, can you imagine someone who's very airy, someone who's very fluffy? You know what that kind of person is? They're sort of all over the place and whew, they're sort of bouncing around. They're very light. They might be a little bit ditzy or they just eat a little bit here, eat a little bit there and they float around and they run this way or they walk very fast that way and their head is all up in the clouds. You know what that's like? Have you ever met someone like that? I know I have. <laughs> So when you see someone and you say, wow, they're very airy, they're very fluffy, you can see that that's an imbalance. Well, an, an Ayurveda doctor can see it. Well, you and me, us, us common folk, we can't jump to conclusions so quickly. But an Ayurveda doctor would be able to see that and say, well, they need to balance it out with some grounding. So if that person, that airy person, was to eat a very heavy meal, which is very solid, things like potatoes more dense rices, then that would help them with their grounding. And if they were to move somewhere which was a, a solid house, a solid place, solid walls, do some time sitting on a rock, spent, do you, that person should meditate while sitting on a rock rather than a meditation stool or a meditation pillow. So that's just some examples of how Ayurveda can balance things in life which have very, very strange connections, very long-ranging connections. So activities and thoughts and diet and environment 
and your work, and even extending over into relationships. And it's up to your Ayurveda doctor to to assess that. And you could probably do a, a quick, you can even do a quick assessment on yourself and you can have a feeling. You can trust your own intuitions, but this thing of the professional and the layman is, it depends on how much result you want to get out of it. You can always get something out of knowing a little bit. You can always get something out of self-assessment with the small knowledge that you have. The chances are, if, you've, if you're listening to this, there is a chance that you don't know anything about Ayurveda at all, and this is your very first introduction. Now, if that's the case, you're at least gaining something. You're gaining something new to work with, something else to work with. And if you find there are good results from this, and this is a model that clicks with you, and it's working for you, then you can pursue it further. You can go to a doctor, and you can really understand this kapla, pitta, bata, earth, water, fire, wind, ether, and put it into all sorts of all sorts of parts of your life. Now, when it comes to drugs or medicine, there are a lot of crossovers between Western medicine and Ayurvedic medicine. But in a nutshell, the medicine for Ayurveda would be condensed versions of either fire, water, earth, wind, or ether. Well, not so much ether. It's more water, fire wind and they would be given to you to balance out your elements it can help with digestion it can help with your immune system it can help with all sorts of things and it really depends where you're at Now, when it comes to emotion, let me just jump. It's sort of hard to tell what order to go in, but let's let's go to emotion. So, wind is usually associated with fear and an unstable, an unstable emotions, and then fire is associated with passion or with anger, and water is associated with attachment. So if someone's angry, you can say, well, go and have a glass of water to off-balance the fire. And it really is that simple. It really is that. It, it seems so simple. It seems so, so basic. And yet with this, with this model, this broad model of the elements, you can remember these ideas, these solutions to these situations. And your emotional profile, well, balancing your emotional profile, you can use that for this. You can use these elements for this. So emotion is another one that fits into these elements. And there's another, there's another really big part of Ayurveda and this is the, it's a thing that you do as a process if you go to your Ayurveda doctor and then you start 
taking the herbs and the medicines and you start changing your diet or your living conditions or your activities. Doing that is, is the first step. But there's also another big component, which is panchakarma. And this is the purification therapy. And this is another big difference between the Western, philo- the Western psych- uh, philosophy or psychology or medicine. <laughs> what are we talking about here? We're talking about the medicine, Western medicine. And purification is, is well, it's largely overlooked. And it's not always seen as a, as a common solution to medical problems. When it should, it really makes sense to say, if there's something wrong with you, then there's something in you that shouldn't be there. So the first trick is to take out what is in you which shouldn't be there. It's to purify you. It's the purification, and that is panchakarma. That's the idea behind panchakarma. And that's very different to Western medicine, which is to say, well, here, let me put something into you. If there's something wrong with you, let me give you something. Let me prescribe a drug or a chemical which will fix that. And Ayurveda has very elaborate and effective ways of doing the detox. Panchakarma is a process. And in essence, it starts with the oil massage, which is a specific process. There's a specific structure to the massage. And also the oil that they use is tailored to the patient depending on how their elements are balanced. So there are certain herbs and chemicals in the oils. And if you have more fire or less fire or more earth or more water or more wind, depending on that, and also depending on which parts of the body and for how long and which way the massage goes, is all tailored to the patient. And that's the oil massage. And when that happens, there are certain toxins that come up. They bring toxins to the digestive system. And depending on where it is in your body, in which part of the the digestive system starts at the mouth and ends at the bum hole, and the the toxins are everywhere. The toxins can be all through the blood. So that when they surface, when they come back into the digestive tract, depending on the closest way out, they go out. So you might poop yourself or you vomit. And that happens when you have a, have a big detox. And then the other part of the detox is not only the oil massage, but it's the sweating. So what they'll do is they'll take you and put you in a sweat suit or a sauna suit. And sweating is a very... Steam and sweat is a very powerful detox. It's a very powerful purification. And the difference, actually, there's a difference in just going to a sauna rather than having the panchakarma sauna, which is that 
They don't do your head. So it's a suit or it's this special tank, special box that they sit you in, which doesn't do the head. Because your head already has a lot of heat to it. There's a lot of sensitivity to it. There's a lot of electricity in there. So going to a normal, if you go to a normal sauna, you feel hot-headed. And that's an imbalance. So it's very, it's very therapeutic to have the Panchakarma sauna suit because they don't do your head. And so much is, uh, so much is, so much emphasis or so much can be gained from becoming lightheaded. And there's whole approaches in mystical traditions, not just in Ayurveda, but in meditation and spiritual circles, which deal with, well, this idea that the head is too heavy, the mind is too heavy. And this feeling of your head being a heavy weight resting on your shoulders, resting on your neck, is something that can bring a lot of re- a lot of liberation. There's also, I'll quickly mention this craniotherapy, which deals directly exactly with that. And craniotherapy can have very, it can be very unbalancing. It can be very off. You need to be grounded for that. Because you can you can become very lightheaded, you can become very fluffy, you can become very airy. But many people need that. Many people need to be lightheaded because there's so much weight and heat and happening in the mind, in the brain. So we've got our elements, we've got our purification therapy of panchakarma which is the oil massage and the sweat suit. And then we've also got tastes. So these certain tastes, when we get, if we can dig a little bit deeper into diet, there are five or six basic tastes. And this is accounted for in Ayurveda. We've got, okay, so here, let me just list some. So we've got sweet Salty, sour, pungent or spicy, bitter, and astringent. And that's how how that was described to me. It was sort of like an un unripe banana. The Google definition of astringent is Slightly bitter or slightly off-taste or acidic. It's got an acidicness to it. So if you're looking to balance your diet, you can say, well, how much sugar is there? How much salt is there? How much bitter or spicy is there? And it might be that you're using your diet to off-balance other parts of your elements. You might be using it to affect your emotions or your activities or your environment. And it can be as simple as, well, it's a hot day. And and it really is that basic sort of logic. Like if it's a hot day, you need to cool down. So have a cool drink. 
And that's the beauty, that's the beauty of Ayurveda, which is that it it connects those different parts. It connects those different things that we have within us. These different situations. It's well, it's holistic. It's taking into all sides of the equation, all sides of the story. And if you want to get deeper into that relation of diet and emotions or environment, then I suggest you talk to an Ayurveda doctor. Because some are, some foods are, you can tell by just your intuition. Like if spicy food is a hot element, then that's a bit obvious. It's obvious to me. But then there's others that aren't so obvious. That's why you need someone who's studied it, someone who's really worked with it and understands those. There are a lot of different sides to diet. There's a lot of different things that you hear about diet. And it's very hard to make sense in this modern world where we have so much information about diet. And it might even be that you've heard these elaborate stories or these elaborate diets like the no sugar diet. Like I don't eat any sugar at all. I've completely cut out all sugar. That's a very famous diet. Or there's diets which are only vegetables, only raw vegetables, or the paleo diet. And then, of course, on the bodybuilding side, you've got these high solids, high carbs, high protein diets. And they're saying you want to build as much muscle as possible and shred as much fat as possible. And the whole thing is to build how how your body can look really good. How can you build a body that looks amazing? It's bodybuilding. It's for the appearance. And other sides of the equation say, well, how do you feel? What's the best way? What's the best diet to have that makes you feel a certain way? And then you've also got your counting calories, losing weight. Losing weight is a big one. When it comes to diet, people often... So many people come to diet saying, I want to lose weight. Now, losing weight is a very different approach or a very different goal to, hey, how I want to feel. They're two different diets. And how I want to feel is also different to how much energy do, do I want. Now, if, you, if you've got this hyperactive very busy sort of go, go, go all the time, run at it, constant chaka 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 style of lifestyle, and that's the diet that you've got and that's the diet that you want, then that's what you're going for. And it might be that if you want to change that, you need to change your diet. But here in Ayurveda, we're saying we've got these sweets, salties, these sours, these spices, these bitters, these astringents, and we're going to use those as how they affect certain elements in relation to your personal elements and how you actually are in terms of your balance. And that runs very much contrary to this diet of, oh, I quit sugar. It's the I quit sugar diet or the I'm bulking diet. 
I'm putting on lots of protein diet. Because those diets have an effect. They, they supposedly have an effect, which is do this diet and you have this. Whereas with Ayurveda, we're saying, no, first consider how you are. How is your balance? What is going to affect you? How is it going to affect you? Is it even possible for you to have this diet cause the things that you want it to? And having a no-sugar diet might be a very unbalanced thing. It might be that you need more sugar. It might be that you need that sort of energy. If you're very slow and heavy and cold, then it might need you need more energy. It might be that you need something to pick you up, something that goes through you fast. And everyone has a different speed of their metabolism. Everyone has a different metabolist rate of metabolism. So diet is a, is a tricky one. It's a complex one. And if you're looking at changing your diet or working your diet, you have to consider all these things. You have to consider all the elements. So if we can move now on to environment. We can say a little bit more about environment. And this isn't strictly Ayurveda, I don't think, but it's, it is sort of related. And the environment is taken into account for an Ayurveda approach. And well, we call this Vastu Shastra. Vastu Shastra. I'll write that in the description if you want to search more. But this is a kind of housing design which is based on the elements. And there are certain things that you want in your house to have in certain places. Like where do you have your water flow? Where do you have your bathroom? Where do you have the most airy open space for the house. So the space is the ether, which is the biggest room of the house. Where do you have your heating or your electric devices? Where is the fireplace for your house? And then also where do you enter into the house and where do you exit from the house? What is the back or the front of the house? And where do you sleep? Do you sleep facing north, south, east, or west? And we talk so much about being in tune with nature or being in tune with the cosmos. Well, this is an approach to do that. This is something that can help to do that. Often when I think of saying, well, being in tune with nature, I feel like I feel like I have to go outside and go on a bushwalk and then listen to the wind and listen to the rain and listen to the earth and then somehow that will give me something and that will be my attunement with nature or with the cosmos or I have to look at the stars but here this is what's so great about Ayurveda is I've found this where I can say no there's a there's a 
a blueprint or a kind of intuition that you can use for your own house, for your own place of, of residence. And there are many stories of houses that get this wrong and things go wrong. There's no flow. So the idea of flow or calmness or even balance, is your house balanced? That would be a good starting question. That would be a good opening question. Do you feel where you live is a balanced place? Do you feel like it's a calm place? And just like we can say someone is a fairy or fluffy or windy sort of person, can you use that same sort of metaphor for your house, for wherever it is you live? And the whole thing of aligning from north, south, east, west, there are are correlations between each of those and the elements. But (laughs) when I was talking to Dr. Shanti, we sort of of worked out that it depends where you live in the world. Because there's, in certain places in the southern hemisphere, where we are here in Australia, there is... (laughs) That going north is more hot, more heat. You're getting closer to the equator. But if you're in India, then going south is getting hotter. And when you go north, it gets colder. So your, your fire element depends on where you are on the, on the planet. And, then you, and I'm, by that intuition, I'm guessing, well, which way is the ocean? Where is, the, where is the water and where is the land? You can see if it's, if it's north, if it's, well, where I am, I'm on, the, I'm on the east coast of Australia, which means east, to the east of me is the water, to the west is the earth. But if I was on the west coast, say where Perth is in Australia, then it would be the other way around. The west would be the water element and the east would be the earth element. So that's a funny, that's a funny way to think about which way up you should sleep in your bed or which direction your bed should be, should be facing. And if you feel like you're a bit hot-headed... <laughs> then maybe you need to sleep in a different direction. And there's a whole, like this Vastu Shastra design, it's a whole form of architecture designed around this. And there's all sorts of different ways that this is taken into consideration for certain houses that are being built. And there's there's an amount that you can do with your place. There's an amount that you can do with the furniture and the flow to create a balance. And well, this is a it's a this is a good blueprint. This is a good way of expanding your intuition. And it's an excuse really to if it's nothing else, it's an excuse to think more consciously about these things. And it's an alternative so you can say, well, I need to be more conscious of my diet. 
I need to be more aware of my diet. Let me work on my diet. But I don't like these bodybuilding or these weight loss or these extreme diets of no sugar. What else can I do? Where else can I start? Well, you can start with this. And if you just go into your place, well, well, ask you, when you moved to the place you are now, when you lived, when you first started living in the place where you are now, did you start out by saying, how do I set this up to optimize it? How do I make it have flow? How do I make it balanced? And if you did do that and you just use your intuition, well, at least you're off in the right direction. If you really stood in the middle of the room and said, now, where, where should everything be? Should, should this table be here? Or can I feel this table somewhere else? Or can I feel it sort of somewhere else over there? And that's really the, that's really the genius of interior design. Interior designers are, are, are aware of these things. They're, uh, how do I say? They're sensitive to these sorts of things. If you're into interior design, you need to be aware of Vashtu Shastra as at least one of your approaches, at least one of the things that you consider. And it wouldn't be final. You wouldn't say, well, this can't go there because it's north or south or west. It's not a, it's not a black and white tick, tick the boxes, here's how it works, or this always goes here, or this always goes there. No, it's more, it's more general. I get the impression. Maybe for certain things, if you're a qualified doctor or you understand these things professionally, well, then you'd, be, you'd have a lot more conviction. But for you and me at home, us laymans, we're just trying to expand our intuition. We're just trying to understand more about, well, how do we balance the inside of our homes? And understand that that leads to a balance of the inside of us. Inside you is your home. And when you're inside your home, you're inside something which is correlating to the inside of you. And if that's not your attitude, if that's not your approach, well then learning Ayurveda, hearing about Ayurveda here, now, is your excuse. It's your wake-up to those things. And that's another plus of a holistic approach. That's a, a plus of an all-encompassing approach. Because you might come to Ayurveda with a certain problem or a certain thing you want to fix or a certain thing you want to optimize. And then you'll find, well, I need to balance all things. And there are certain things I haven't thought about. There are certain things I haven't done. Because it is quite a leap to see that there's a correlation between your diet and your interior design or the furniture in your home. And that also with your emotions or your activities or your relationships. And having these elements of Kapa, pitta, bata, or earth, water, fire, wind, ether, helps to string those together. It helps to make them clear to you.
So that's a layman's understanding of Ayurveda. And if you'd like to find out more, I will link to Dr. Hamsa Shanti. And you'll be able to contact her and (laughs) she'll be able to tell you all the mistakes I've made, (laughs) all the things I've got wrong. And there really is there really is so much to learn. It, 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 it's a tradition. It's, it's based on Sanskrit texts and it goes back thousands of years. And it's a whole it's a whole industry now. It's this it's this huge thing. So consult a professional. And I hope what we've talked about here today has been able to spark your interest. And a few things have been able to click. It may seem it may seem a bit esoteric, like aligning your bed with north or south. If if that's if when I say that there's just this big wall, why would you do that? That's too that's too new agey or that's too woo-woo or it's too fluffy for me. I wouldn't do that. It's too much like it's too much like uh what do you call it? Cosmology? Not cosmology. Astrology. It's too much like astrology. If you're thinking that, well, my advice to you is, well, be open. And we're not ever studying or learning something by saying, is it right or is it wrong? No, everything we learn only makes us richer. only gives us more of an understanding. It only opens us more. And believe it or not, actually, there is something in astrology. Now, whether it's the astrology you've seen, the astrology in the form that it's in now, in the way that it's put across, but these, you have to remember that from everything, there is truth. There is truth that it comes from, everything comes from truth. There's always something in something. There's always something to learn. And of course, there's a lot wrong. There's a lot that doesn't make sense. And there's a lot that you can discard. There's so much of that. But that shouldn't stop you from working that out, from going through that process of finding it. So really, just be open-minded and be curious. And think of the parts that have resonated with you, whether it's diet or your environment or your emotions or whatever we say about these elements or the purification, panchakarma. And and just find out about it. Can so many people be wrong about panchakarma? And really ask yourself about your, your Western doctor. Is it really... Is they are they really bringing the results you want? Do they really take a holistic approach? And maybe it might be that they are. There are Western doctors that have a holistic approach. So it's hard to speak broadly. It's hard to speak generally. But at least this is an introduction, a layman's introduction to Ayurveda. And very big thank you to Dr. Shanti Hansa. 
And what we'll do now is we'll wrap it up by doing what we always do at the end of these episodes, which is to sit quietly for a few moments. So if it's comfortable for you to do so, stop what you're doing, find a quiet place to sit down, close your eyes, and just relax and let yourself be open and quiet. And just sit still for a few moments. And that's all I have to say for now.